you are cordially invited to the manor in the woods, where an evening of discussion is being held by the O'Brien siblings. Catherine, the encyclopedia, Carolyn, the bookworm, Madeline, the wild card, and Mackenzie, the eclectic. Join them in the study where there will be talk of murder, robbery, deception, and conveniently cloaked figures. So get cozy, pour yourself a cuppa, and join us for mostly murder. But sometimes not. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mostly Murder, Sometimes Not, a podcast where four siblings get together and talk about mysteries. My name is Katie and I'm hosting today. And with me are my three lovely siblings. I'm Carrie. I'm Maddie. And I'm Mac. All right. We're getting the hang of this. Yay. I was going to say, I don't feel so lovely today. I'm all allergied up. Mm. Allergied up, man. Yeah. Allergies. So today we are covering the TV show Dexter. And I'm going to tell you all about it. You ready? Do you want me to time you? No, I was so good yesterday. As long as <laughs> don't say anything. Okay. Dexter is a show that ran on Showtime for eight seasons from 2006 to 2013. It centers around Dexter Morgan, who is a blood spatter analyst in Miami, who also happens to be a serial killer. But don't worry, his sociopathic tendencies and urges were recognized at a young age by his foster father, who used his police training to teach Dexter a, how to kill and get away with it, and B, to only kill the guilty that have escaped legal consequences. So he's essentially a serial killer vigilante. The pilot introduces Dexter as this emotionally empty serial killer who also works within the police system, and he narrates throughout the episode. We meet his sister Deb, who is an officer in Vice, but wants to work in homicide. We um, Angel and Masuka, a detective and forensics investigator who work with Dexter. Lieutenant Maria LaGuerta, a homicide lieutenant who is flirty with Dexter, and Sergeant Dokes, an officer who hates Dexter and finds him creepy. We also meet Dexter's girlfriend, Rita, who Dexter likes because she does not want to sleep with him due to past trauma. And we kind of meet his dad, Harry, or his foster dad, Harry, through flashbacks, giving us our first insight into how Harry recognized these killer urges and then gets the idea to use them for good. (laughs) quote unquote in the episode we see dexter confront and kill two different men getting a glimpse into his process which involves a lot of plastic plastic wrap a lot of tarps and other blood spatter controlling devices which makes dexter all the more fascinated when the bodies of two women show up that have been cut into neat pieces and laid out but also totally drained of blood and semi-wrapped in butcher paper He gets turned on telling his girlfriend Rita about this and makes a move that makes her uncomfortable, but by the end of the episode, she thinks she might be ready for the next step, which makes him wonder if it's time to break up. Meanwhile, Deb asks Dexter to use his intuition skills to help her impress the lieutenant. She tells Dexter the second woman had tissue damage evidence that indicated she was kept somewhere very cold, and Dexter infers the killer must have been using a refrigerated truck. Deb brings this up in a homicide meeting, but is brushed off and essentially told to go back to Vice and work, quote, on her back, unquote. However, on his way home from killing his second victim, 
Dexter sees an ice truck and follows it until it turns around at a dead end and then throws the severed head of the second female victim on his car. After reporting it and getting questioned slash hit on by the lieutenant, he goes home. Um, Actually, he stops by Rita's first and then he goes home. When he gets there, he finds a Barbie doll head on his fridge and the separated parts of a doll inside of it laid out just like the two female victims, each part tied beautifully with a red ribbon. He is excited, essentially seeing this as an invitation from one serial killer to another to play. And that's basically the first episode of Dexter. So my question now is, Carrie, what is your history with Dexter? I've seen it all. All eight seasons? Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Do I remember a I lot of it? That. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you, Maddie? Nada. This is my first uh, introduction. Okay. Okay. And Mac? Maddie, do you care if I spoil something that happens later on in the show? Mm, not I might. really. Alright, well... I might. I'm gonna say, without spoiling anything, there was a somewhat not okay turn that they did with his foster sister later on, and I stopped watching after that. Okay. I have seen the first three seasons. I figured it out yesterday. Which I have heard was not the right time to stop watching. I heard the right time to stop watching was after season five-ish. Yeah, season four. Because season four is the one with John Lithgow that everyone is obsessed it's with. Very, it's a very good season. Yeah. But I, I was in college when this was airing and I was watching it at the time and I, th- I feel like I just got too busy because it would have been like my last year maybe second to last year when season three was happening but i was definitely flashing back to 2006 and 7 watching this pilot because i remember my old roommate adam was obsessed with this with the show so anyway what what did y'all think are we supposed to like dexter it's complicated are we supposed to like dexter it is a complicated question because I think we're supposed to sympathize with Dexter. I think we're supposed to be like, it's hard because the narration really brings you into his head. And I didn't Which know this was based might on the book, by not the way. be a necessarily good thing. It's like Philip Marlowe yeah. if you would replace like latent sexual, like latent sexism and self-homophobia with all of the usual stuff that you'd expect to find in the brain of a serial killer. Yeah, I feel I was getting some Marlowe vibes just from the narrating stuff. And I did find out it's actually the whole first season is based on a book by this guy named Jeff Lindsay. And a lot of his lines in the first season are direct quotes from the book. Like it's directly from the book character narrating his like thing yeah like Hmm. there it's it's a it's a narrow strip you walk on wanting dexter to get away with whatever he's doing and then also wanting these police people that you are following to catch on and capture him for what he's doing yeah 
Um, uh, I was going to say, I was going to talk about this if it ever came up, but like, so CBS wanted to air during the writer's strike. Let's bring up the writer's strike again. CBS wanted to air the first season of Dexter on the regular broadcast by editing it. And the parents television council was like, no way, Jose, because quote, it makes you empathize with a serial killer. You want to root for him and you hope he's not caught. So they were like, this is not okay. But they didn't end up airing it as TV 14, not even TV MA, which means it could air as early as 8, 8, 8 p.m. And they really just cut out language and then some shots of the body stuff. That feels hmm. very haze code to me. I'm glad that they did not release this on normal TV. No, they did. So- that's what I'm saying. On Showtime, right? Well, all of it was on Showtime except the first season was aired on regular CBS during the writer's strike because they had nothing else to do. Oh, I think I missed what you said first, slash maybe wasn't listening. Wish <laughs> <laughs> I was listening. But I was saying the, te- the parents' television council was objective, not necessarily just for like the language and sex and murder, but because you're empathizing with a serial killer. That is very Hayes Code, like which, the villain has to... I, I do come up and think the this show, yeah, which I don't know if he does, so no spoilers, except I actually do know where the show ends, because. What were you going to say, yeah. Mac? Because you've lived in the world. I've lived in the world, and yeah, I wasn't going to rewatch it, but now I think I might, We at least for the f- a little bit more. Yes, Mac, we've sorry. all definitely dipped our foot into basically the, j- we've seen some true crime stuff, right? Like, our our culture has yes. enough of a fascination with the notion of what a serial killer is that we, we know a lot of the beats of common traits in either their childhood or how they start out or how they operate. Yes. I do find yeah. it very interesting. Not necessarily good, but interesting that they would try to take somebody we are so fascinated and disgusted by in our culture and... Try to make that person as sympathetic as they possibly can. They did make as strong of a case that they could. I'm not sure I'm there with Dexter. But uh, beat for beat, going through the notes of all the aspects of who he is, um, he is impersonable. He doesn't know how to talk to people. Uh, He knew perfectly how to put on the face of just an average citizen. That's that's straight up just Ted Bundy. Uh, Then you had... The notion that when he was a kid, he would use justifications for why he got to kill animals, which we all recognize as one of the beginning stages. And then personally, one of the points where I noticed that he was the most messed up in the head was when he could only become sexually aroused when thinking about serial killing and the trade of yeah, he was excited by his, like, not competitor, but compatriot. I I thought that was actually a little bit odd because he's clearly been killing people for a while. And the fact that this is the first time that he's found himself aroused by the process. Because it's not his process. But maybe it's, yeah, I was going to say, maybe it's it's not his process. And I guess if he and Rita have only been dating six months, he may have not had the opportunity before to like be a creep this might be the first yeah serial killer he's come across 
when he has also had somebody intimate, like emotionally intimate with him. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get into the show, but have we watched Mindhunter? Nope. Any of us? Yes. Just no. you? Carrie and me. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess never mind. Well, I guess, so with what Mac was saying about our familiarity with serial killers, I think the one I'm most familiar with is Ted Bundy, because I've read The Stranger Beside Me. But also, like, Ed Gein and a couple others. Like, wait, I kind of want to know. Was Ed Gein the guy who kept making people furniture? Yeah. And, like, the yep. belt. And, that yeah. was him. All right. Sorry. Um, For a, a skit. But I... he, he didn't necessarily kill, I think. I think he grave robbed, if I remember correctly. I don't know. But this is not a true crime podcast, so that's not the point. No, please do not depend on us for facts. Um, I guess one of the things I was really because watching this actively and not passively, I was really thinking about the because he kept saying he has these urges and he can't help himself, and I guess I'm just wondering if that is. A real thing if that's something that like if he didn't have harry he probably would have just been killing things and then gone to jail like yes and i know carrie you you technically have a degree in psychology so i guess i'm kind of curious on your thoughts of like because it sometimes it was like i feel like it's just made it's just for tv purposes he's like i can't help it i get these urges and if i don't get them out then i'll be more violent to someone strange yeah Uh, carrie give us your take did you learn (laughs) a lot about the mind of a serial killer in your bachelor's in psychology uh well we didn't really get into the the criminology aspect of anything but we definitely talked about personality disorders one of which is uh sociopathy so yeah, I mean the complete disconnect from humanity and uh, the ability to mimic connections. Like when he's talking about Deb, and he's like, "She's nice. She likes me. If I felt anything at all, it'd be for her." Like that is very sociopathic. Like he is completely disconnected from humanity like the only reason he behaves the way he does is is because he lives in a society like he if he was like off somewhere else like by himself he wouldn't be doing any of these things like he's a chameleon he's only doing what he does like around the um camouflage aspect because he needs to he's going along to get along you know like he like the urge to kill I don't know that much about, but apparently he has one. And so in order to fulfill this urge, he has to, you know, pretend to be normal. So that's what he's doing. So do you think it's the urge to kill coupled with the sociopathic tendencies? Because being a sociopath doesn't necessarily mean you're a killer. I mean, when when I was advancing myself social, when I was advancing myself and my social knowledge of the world, a lot of the times... I, I gotta say this right off the bat. You normal people are fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> you say a lot of yeah. things you don't even mean. You, everybody, half the time when you say, hey, how you doing at an office? I'm, I don't know if you actually care. I no. don't over half the time. I wish there was just like a weird red light we could all flash at each other to be like, this is courtesy. 
This is what I mean. I don't hate you. <laughs> yes, like greeting. Just walk into the building, flash your red light, and then everybody's like, there's nothing they have to say that's relevant, and they can just go to their workstation and do what they have to. I'm there with I you, man. I recognize you. Yeah. You like, laugh, but I would do anything just to like... I feel no animosity towards you. I'm not. I'm right there with you, Mac. Like, that makes perfect sense to me. Like, um, when he's, when Dexter's in the boat, like, driving along, and he's like, people fake their way oh, yeah. through half of their interactions anyway. I'm just faking all of them. Like, that is literally what we do. Like, when you're, yeah. if you're driving and, like, you, like, put on your blinker and have to move over and somebody lets you in, you just, like, wave your hand, like, okay, what is that? Like, there's... So many weird things that we just do but without any emotion behind them. They're just automatic things. I th- that I don't think that's a good example. I think that's showing gratitude. I th- I th- agree with Mac where it's more the office or like the casual interactions of people you have daily inter like hey, how's it going? How's your wife? But like the whole scene with the donuts yeah. was what really like brought it. Cause that whole that whole thing is so indicative of like He's using the donuts as a distraction, so no one actually, like, has to talk to him about stuff. Yeah. You know? Like, when he talks about being hollow inside, I don't know if that's the sociopath or the just, like... Being a person. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that necessarily, but, like, I agree with Mac that there's a lot of stuff that we do as a society that is unnecessary. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, it would be kind of cool if we could like flash like a certain light to be like, yeah, I acknowledge you as a human and, you know, I'm cool, respect, but cool, let's not. Cool. Yeah, it's let's like in Red Dead that. when like you see another player and then you just do like emote. I'm like, tip hat. Okay, then goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> like, I see you're what here. What if we all just hats? We should just all wear hats again. Yes. Like, I see right? you're here. We should all wear hats again that's, and then you just tip oh my your God, hat. That's perfect. Oh, wait, yes. never mind. I think we're getting into a little bit of Milady territory because there are definitely a lot of people out there <laughs> that are trying to bring hats back. Like, other than yeah. normal, like, baseball cap type hats. There's well, nothing I wish more than... Look, I'm a straight white man. There's no way I can just wear a weird-ass hat without people suddenly thinking that there's something internet wrong with me, if this parlance <laughs> means anything. Yes, just Speaking wear a baseball of- cap, Mac. That's generally yeah. sociable, socially acceptable. I know, but it's like if I, it's like Starburns from Community. If I start wearing the top hat, I'm going to be the top hat guy. Well, don't wear a top hat. Also, wear a baseball can you really cap. Tip a baseball hat. Can you tip a baseball hat though? I feel yes. like Mac. I don't think I would see Mac in a baseball cap because he has so many other hats that are. I feel like you have every hat but a baseball cap, Mac. You're have, not a baseball cap person. I have one baseball cap. I didn't buy it myself. I stole it because it was a promotional thing for a catering event that I was nearby, and nobody wanted it anymore, so I just took it. What hats do you have, Mac? We already gone, we've gone over top hat. All right. Uh, everybody go ahead and skip ahead about 20 minutes if you don't want to be here for Mac's hat corner. <laughs> I, I love Mac's, Mac's hat, hat corner. corner. All right, fine. Tricorn yes. hat, uh, army helmet. I. Uh, are we doing this? No, these are the ones in your apartment, right? Oh. Because there's also ones in the laundry basket over there. Okay. Like the Tim the Enchanter and all the straw and hats. The Fez and hat and 
Uh, basically every cosplay hat I've ever made. Does the Skyrim helmet count? I've I'm almost finished with that one. Yes. Okay. And you made a Mandalorian helmet, did you not? Or was that just Boba Fett? Um, yeah. Would the red hood yeah. mask count? I feel like you've just like painted it in different ways to make it different things, right? Yeah. Well, or are actually, there multiple no. ones? I have multiple ones. I have a Boba Fett okay. helmet, and then I also have this Mandalorian one. Ba- okay, okay. The hat corner isn't going to entertain anybody behind those headsets. <laughs> so let's just all assume I, mean, I have a lot of hats, and I can't wear them anywhere without looking odd. I have six. I would come hats. here just for hat. Corner. I wish I had all the hats. How many hats are too many hats? There's no such number. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, long story short, I don't know. We all wish that there was a general social introduction light. Mac, do you guys wish sometimes that there was like some sort of smiley face that everyone had in the back of their car? Yes. So they could like tell people like, you're being an asshole. Yes. yes. Oh, or, like, I was Thank thinking you. a frowny face. Well, I'm saying like, so it's one of those like dot, like a collection of dots that you could turn into different emojis. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. You know, those like um, screens that will say like the on the on the road when they're like, watch out for deer or whatever, like those things. Instruction screens. I want one in the back of my car that I could like have a few preset messages like you're an asshole or get out of my way or <laughs> like it. i know i just cut you off but i'm sorry i didn't mean to <laughs> yeah there um there is something in the news recently that i don't know if it would make things better or worse but Probably elon worse. musk wanted to be able to have a voice connection okay, between no. <laughs> everybody who had teslas just so no. that way they could converse a little bit more so it's similar to what you guys were talking about where you have programmable messages that you could send on the back of your car but then i'm beginning to think if you could actually he, he okay one of the reasons i think road rage does exist out there is that the communication that you have with cars is very different from communication that you have with people if somebody was walking one feet behind you at the exact same pace you could turn around and be like excuse me sir give me space with tailgating, though, you can't do that. So you either have to A, ignore it, or B, use the car equivalent of shouting, which is the horn. So do you guys... I have read a paper about, like, the psychology of being in a car because cars are not people, and we forget that people are in them. Exactly. And, and it's the a, more it's that a people... Of, yeah, it's a degree of separation. And the more that people yeah. identify with their cars, uh, like, say, putting a bunch of bumper stickers on it or whatever, the more that somebody sees the car as an extension of themselves, the more protective they're going to be of it. Which is why I think people with a lot of bumper stickers are uh, insane drivers. Well, do you think it also follows that it personifies the person so you're less likely to... No, I feel like, yeah... When I see a lot of bumper stickers, I'm like, you're either a cool person or a not cool person, but you're very strong, strongly yeah. about it. I, so I had, I've had one sticker on my car for years, the like uh, equal sign thing. And I had some extra stickers and I truly like oscillated for weeks going like, should I put on more stickers? Am I going to look like a crazy person? Am, is it going to be weird? But I eventually put them on because one of them is Poirot. And I just think it's really funny to have a Poirot sticker on a car. (laughs) But I still worry about it. And every time I walk to my car, I'm like, 
I feel like three stickers is too many stickers. What are people going to think? I know, but I only drive once a week-ish now, so I guess I just... Anyway, what I was trying to ramp up to is, do you feel like more communication on the road, like more intricate communication, would be good if you could actually genuinely just talk to people? Like, if you could just point to a car, and then suddenly you can speak through your radios. Would that make the road better? I.e., you can be like, excuse me, sir, I'm in a bit of a hurry, I have to do this. Um, would you mind speeding up or getting into the other lane? Or do you think it would just turn the internet into basically just like the voice chat in a first-person shooter? Right. I think it would be like that because there's still that degree of separation, but you're still really mad in the car. I would be... So I think the abuse that would happen would outweigh the benefits of it. Also, it could just turn into like a very similar situation where... You're, you know, going to work. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Like, it would just be another rote, um, just, like, thing that people go through. Plus, think about, like, what creepy people would use that for. Or, like, abusers. Or, you know, like... Yeah. Um, cars are bad, and the situation is (laughs) bad, and nothing will make it better until self-driving cars are a thing and we all can just sit and sleep and we all live in a society where and we all live in a society where we simultaneously want more connection and also less connection anyway dexter you know what's dexter so and interesting is that um i feel like angel the detective definitely watched a lot of miami vice when he was younger (laughs) because I don't know. That's just the feeling I get from him. But I like him a lot oh, as yeah. a character. And I remember really liking him. Yeah. Like, he's smart. Like, he's not... Like, I do like him a lot. I feel like they would... Like, usually when um, detectives are portrayed, or at least in the things that I've seen, like, most of the time, if they're not the protagonist, like, if like Dexter's our protagonist, the cops are kind of the antagonist in this instance anyway because we don't want them to catch Dexter at least we're not supposed to um and then so Angel is portrayed as very like he's intelligent like he is a smart hardworking, you know but also whole person um yeah like I think the secondary characters in this show are really interesting to watch and follow because they it's part of that whole complex of do we want them to catch Dexter? Do we want Dexter to we, get away? Yeah, we like them and we think they're great and intelligent, but then we're also like, we don't want them to catch Dexter. So you're almost rooting against Except them, I kinda do. but only in one specific instant. I do like that that is different than, okay, so obviously a lot of, I, of, I often refer to what is referred to as mildly autistic super detectives in these kinds of shows. And Dexter is definitely a good example of, like, somebody who's neurologically different, but also a bit of a genius, tends to work things through. And the, what I like about this show is that in a lot of those other shows, other detectives and contemporaries within the force are really just there so that they can be corrected. And that we did get a little bit of that with Sergeant Dokes. But... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's the house syndrome where somebody's like, I don't get it, house. It's like, 
they're just tired and they need to drink more water. And then House is like, no, this is a, a rare case of Zimbabwean butthole worms that has only <laughs> occurred twice in the world. And I'm a genius for figuring out you're an idiot. I'm going to swear at everybody and then leave. Yeah, okay. Sort of like a, a sort of like a neurodiverse power fantasy type situation. I like this yeah. one where you do have a main character who's neurologically different than everybody else, but still there are other smart, capable people right there along with him who can s- still solve cases regardless of whether or not the special guy helps out. I kind of, I definitely agree with Mac in that this, I feel like when this was 2006, 2007, it was kind of cooler to be like, ooh, I'm neurodiverse and, uh, well, it was novel to kind of have that portrayal and to have that perspective and, I feel like looking at it as somebody now, it's become kind of like overused. And I feel like I was picking out a lot of like cringy things about it and I didn't really like it. And I feel like people now use that to be like gross about it. I was really curious what your, cause I was like, I'm pretty sure I know one of us has not watched Dexter at all. So I was really wondering what your thoughts would be on it because I think this is the time when the anti-hero was like becoming a big thing, right? Like this is Mad Men and Breaking Bad. And so you're seeing like the main characters are not good people. And then also making this more of like a detective thing when you've got like, like what Max said, the a detective that's neurologically different. Because, like, I think Monk was still happening at this point, and Psych was still happening, The Mentalist, like, all that kind of stuff. So, melding those two, like, he's neurologically different, and also um, a detective. Well, not a detective, but, like, he's so into his craft. So, like, I liked Dexter at the time, obviously, and when I was watching it again, I was really, Maddie, like, this isn't like I don't know. I like I think cringy is a good word. So you're I kept being like <sighs> you're wondering it, what somebody is thinking if it's their first time watching it here in 2021. Yeah, I was just thinking if Maddie is the new person to watch this, I think that modern criticism still has value, even if what you're criticizing is, you know, older. So yeah. what were some notes that well, you yeah, had? You, uh, what were you your notes of criticism? Well, I think I just know, I I noticed kind of a, I'm different, so I'm cooler and smarter and everybody else is, you know, below me kind of thing, like having emotions and having <laughs> like all of these, yeah. uh, like all the these things are monologues. impediments. Yeah. He was like, I don't understand why people eat crabs. That's a real thing in like the social. That's a real sociopath thing. Like thinking yourself above everybody else. Like people are just ants. Although after the germophobia of COVID, I cannot imagine me just kind of like putting just a big pile of my food onto a big pile of other people's (laughs) foods and just smashing the food and like ripping it out of husks and eating it with my hands like two feet away from another person who's doing the same thing from the same pile of food. Like, okay, 
Despite, like, my relationship with just social behavior, just that. Who eats out of the same crab pile? (laughs) It's a big thing in the South, I think. That's what, like, a crab, or a... They have a crawfish boil type of thing. Yeah, but I've seen those crawfish boils. Everyone just gets together and... You don't eat the same crawfish as another person. This... Off a table with no plates. This... This... I mean, you might. Have you been to one? No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the last time I saw one was when Stephen Fry did it in like two thousand four or five. Yeah. Whatever the case, I wouldn't. Do they're it all then. different. I wouldn't do it now, at all. Yeah. Um. Can we go back and talk a little bit about Dokes? Sure. <laughs> yes. Because I did kind of forget. And you know what? Watching it again, twenty twenty, it was really interesting because. He's the only person who is creeped out by Dexter. And I wonder if I'm probably reading into it, but like as a black man, he's probably more prone to examining the behavior of everyone around him more, especially as a cop. Right. Or am I reading into that? I think you may be reading into it a little bit. I don't think I have enough experience with him to know. Yeah. Like the whole one. Because he is also very violently against Dexter like constantly like literally yelling at him in the middle of the precinct which I do think is a little too much but also somebody yeah somebody should step in and be like hey uh Dokes what the fuck I don't know I mean they're really mean to Deborah too oh yeah oh my god I hated all of that and I hated that the show made us see her the first time we see her she's literally dressed as a sex worker basically Mm mm-hmm and it's supposed to be like everyone's commenting. <sighs> Although on the it. show did make the point that sexual harassment can come from female superiors too. Oh my god, right? Women can be everything, including <laughs> terrible for each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what LaGuardia's deal is with Deborah. Like, I feel like there's a thing that I'm forgetting, but I know. I, I have to say, I barely remember a lot of the show, like the details, so I on the one hand, I'm like, it's interesting that the the lieutenant is kind of sexually harassing Dexter and also being terrible to Deborah. Not kind of sexually harassing. <clears throat> Literally sexually harassing Dexter. Yeah. And it's kind of like, women can be terrible too. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I feel like that's what yeah. they're going for more than a nuanced. <laughs> like, they're not being subtle about it i i will applaud that this is a show that does offer women the diversity of characteristics even if some of those characteristics are terrible horrible i mean i do get annoyed i don't actually watch a lot of of this type of i don't know the when they make women be the victims in these like very specific ways i don't love it so like when you first see the like the bodies i feel like the shots of the dead women, I feel, is gratuitous. We just need, like, one, like, viewing of it so that we can match it with the doll at the end. But there was so many close-ups of, like, it basically was treating the women's bodies as meat. Yeah, well, that's what the killer was doing, which is what the writers were pl- making but the killer But the cameras do. don't need to see that all the time. There yeah. was yes, one but. moment where I was very much not with Angel and that was when they were talking about the first dead body, like dead desiccated body was like, yeah, damn, she had a nice ass too. And I'm just going to be like, this is a 
chopped yeah. up corpse in a drained motel pool, bro. Yeah. What does a woman have to do to not be sexualized? <laughs> she's not. She's meat now. Yeah, yeah, that was not good. That was really, 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 really. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I literally wrote like, ugh, nice ass over like not good didn't love that you know what i did appreciate um which is is not good but dexter's tidiness and organization with all of his murder implements and tools (laughs) and such like that just it satisfied something in me that really likes things tidy that he prepares yeah. and he creates his like killing rooms and everything's covered in plastic so that there's nothing left. And like, and that he has his whole setup. He packs all the body parts in the bags and he has a way of. I, we I didn't don't think see it's, that I think in it's this episode that, though. We didn't see like how he disposes of the bodies. So, well, I feel like we can't. I think you, you can infer that he puts them in the water because of the boat. No, you can't infer that, that at all. After he kills the first guy. Mac, maybe he just likes boats. I okay. Did you also see the name of his boat? What was it? Slice of life. Nice. Uh, but because uh, he slices people. Uh, yeah. In a weird yeah, we way, this <laughs> Carrie, would you compare the the strange satisfaction of watching him work to like one of those Facebook videos where people like make epoxy art or or like renovate old knives or some shit like that? Just the notion of like. The workspace is so neat. A little bit. Like, I don't... I think it's more like... I don't appreciate... Organizational TikTok. I don't appreciate, like, his... Um, actually doing his craft. I don't like that at all. But, like, the way that he had everything set up, I was like, this... I, it's like um, Toy Story 2 with the guy when he's, like, yes! fixing the doll. Yes! I only exactly just watched like that. that okay. And every single time, I'm like... Oh, God. On one hand, it's heartbreaking when they paint over Andy's name, but on the other hand, that stroke! It's so (laughs) satisfying, though. Yeah, like, that's what it is. It's like, it is kind of like the, um, like, if organizational videos or, like, things, like, just, like, things having a place, being where they belong, it looks nice and tidy and organized. I do like that. Like, Yeah, isn't that nice, you guys? Isn't it nice to put things where they belong? Isn't it great to have a place for everything it's and to aspirational. not leave stuff all over it's tables? Not fun- it's not um, <laughs> feasible, but it's aspirational. I like it. Man, I'm looking around this desk right now, and it's an absolute horror show. Like, if this is this is worse than Dexter's killing room. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like it's- I'm looking at this table next to me. Carrie and I both have sides of the couch, and it's pretty obvious whose side is whose. We, I mean, me and Alex have the arrangement where anything within arm's reach of my desk chair, I can mess up however I want, but the rest <laughs> has to stay clean. <laughs> you create a safety circle. It is a safety circle arms. of mess. Or where an it's just kind of like safety circle. <laughs> it is sort of it, yeah. It's because I mean yeah, it's no. not just okay. my place. That's very good of you, Mac. To realize, you know, when people have shared living arrangements. They all pitch in to clean up the place that they all yeah. live in. Yeah, we do that. We do that. Yeah, who are you talking to? What was that eyebrow? Anyway. So, 
I read a lot of things about Dexter being a vigilante, which obviously brings into mind of a superhero. Does it? Mac, your eyes lit up. I have been wanting to talk about this one for so long. So, obviously this is vigilantism, but something feels different about this than... I will say, the shittiest people in my life fantasize about becoming like Dexter. Just because you get the sense that, like, all these sort of, like... <clears throat> right wing. Uh, you need to dudes, get away from those people, Mac. I'm getting as far. I sit alone in the lunchroom, bro. I'm trying my best. He doesn't have a. There's. He doesn't have a choice of who he works with. Exactly. Oh, at work. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry yeah, about Maddie. It. They're terrible. Uh, no. Can I? Like, ninety percent of them are chill. I under. Okay. The vigilantism thing, because some of the superheroes we know and love kill people. They kill. But it's okay because they're Nazis or aliens or whatever. And because it's so quick and clean. Whereas with Dexter, he is definitely killing people who are awful. Like, the first guy is insinuated as a child molester who killed three boys. And the second guy did snuff films and definitely killed one woman. And raped her. And they escaped from the, like, justice system. So, like, they should... I feel like they should be punished because it's awful. But... Do I feel like they should be punished in the way that they were by being strapped naked to a table and basically like tortured and then killed like well a lot like cut apart while they're still alive? No. Like I think I don't think that like Batman would do that. Well actually Batman doesn't kill. No, he doesn't. I would say that on vigilantism, you have to kind of judge things on a spectrum where on one end you have Batman who is a detective. He does due diligence. He solves crimes and he doesn't like kill people. He just beats them up and provides whatever necessary evidence he needs to, to the police in order to get them prosecuted. But then the other end of the spectrum in what is possibly the most troubling insinuation in our culture is uh, Punisher where, you know, he's mm-hmm. basically just the big, you know, tough guy fantasy of, Hey, he can just take a gun and with no accountability kill whatever criminal scum he encounters. Which is why I'm also troubled why so many uh, police officers put his logo on the back of their vehicles. But I feel like what separates Batman from Punisher and why I'm actually a little more okay with Dexter's version of vigilantism as opposed to Punisher is due diligence. Punisher isn't seen confirming, you know, seeking out evidence, trying to find his own investigation, uh, seeing whether somebody truly is guilty. Punisher just fucking shoots people. Same with Peacemaker. Same with Rorschach. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have Dexter. We saw him go through his own private investigation where he had to verify, okay, this is the person. I have evidence that they are the ones that murdered people. Yes, Carrie. No, no, continue. I'm just, when you're done. It's just the notion that they've actually gone through an investigation. Admittedly, it's it's still bad because it's not like an investigation that's double blind that other people have influence over. It's just one that he personally makes. But the notion that there is one that evidence is taken into account. You saw him work at it. You saw... If yeah. one of these people genuinely wasn't guilty, 
he would not murder them. I imagine there's had to have been more than a few points where he was like, oh, I guess they didn't murder that lady. All right, I won't serially kill them. I think, yeah, I it really kind of makes me empathize with Harry more than Dexter. Obviously, because Dexter's a sociopath and I cannot put myself in his place. But, like, so Harry has this boy that he's taken in and raised and loves. And there isn't a treatment for sociopaths. You cannot make them feel. And if you have, like, a sociopathic serial killer, there isn't really a fix. Like, they would just, like, ideally they would be kind of... Um, I guess contained, you know, kind of like in a very, um, compassionate criminal system. I don't know, more like the, the Swedes or Netherlands or whoever, like, um, but I mean, like Harry, given the things that he's facing and the tools that he has, do you think that you guys would have made the, the same decision? Like, do you think what he did was right? Like, what like his only other option really was to um give Dexter over Turn him in. to the justice system yeah. as it stands. What do you guys Which, think? Which at at the time as a cop he would know it's not a good place for anyone to be, let alone a kid. Yeah. So wait. I was wondering about this. So there's no known treatment for sociopathy? I mean, not really. You can do like talk therapy. Like, I'm. I mean, I'm not up on everything. There, there might be things you like different methods, different things you can do. But like, it, it's a personality disorder, and those are incredibly intractable. Like, it's really hard to treat, and especially that. I mean, narcissistic personality disorder is is similar, where it's like it's just, it's really really tough. And I think, how do you build empathy in somebody who doesn't have any, you know, like if you are talking to somebody and they cannot understand what it means to feel emotions, how do you explain that to someone? It's like trying to tell somebody who, if you're blind or deaf, what does it sound like to hear Beethoven? Like, what do you... How do you communicate that? I genuinely didn't know that. So I might have to change a couple of my notes because beforehand I thought like there might be some way out of sociopathy. And if that's the case, then Harry would have been a very bad father teaching his son. Don't worry, kid. Just find the people that deserve to die. But given (laughs) the circumstances, you don't get caught. But given the circumstances, it's still not the best. I, I still don't think it's the best reaction to it. But if there's no other way but out. do we think he is truly okay do sociopaths feel sexual urges do you know i mean it there might be a range because like in some of his monologues i was like i feel like he is asexual when he was talking about stuff like that but then obviously he felt something when he was talking about the other serial killers thing well so it could be like the um what sapio sexual thing where you're turned yeah. on by someone else's mind and in terms of your question carrie i've never really thought about it but i do th- i don't know what i would do in harry's position like that's such a hard like 
finding out that your foster kid is killing animals and knowing what that can mean and then hearing him talk about how he thought it was the right thing to do because the animal was keeping his mom up like when she was sick on on the one hand i'm like no of course it wasn't the right thing to do you should not teach your child how to murder and get away with it like hello and but then what would he have done put him in a he'd go to jail i feel like he would have the perspective of a police officer like people that he knows is guilty he might not have the evidence for and they have to walk free so that probably figured into his decision like okay yeah. there is an you know a need to you know punish people who can't be punished by the law outside of like dexter justice. pointed out like doing what he does means he doesn't need a warrant he can just because if the police don't have enough evidence for a warrant they they obviously never would have found that stuff in jaworski's like apartment but because dexter doesn't need a warrant he can just walk in find the evidence find the snuff film and know for certain this guy is guilty it would not be admissible in court so he does his and I did find it interesting that he does get them to confess before he kills them. At least in this episode. I don't remember if it continues. But in both cases, they both confirm that they did what he thought that they did. And then he proceeded to stick them in the neck with the shot. To- yeah, like he confronts people with their crimes. Like his own personal justice system. I mean, essentially, we shouldn't get into it, but we're basically talking about the death penalty but as a vigilante yeah one man's perspective well the difference i think but going back to kind of the vigilanteism the difference between dexter and you know whatever vigilante we're looking at batman or uh anybody else is that dexter really enjoys killing people and doing it in a slow like very methodical methodical and painful purposeful way yeah Yeah, he tortures them he He, likes to torture people yeah he likes to match kind of like he has his own way of doing it but he also tailors it to each person like the i guess we didn't really see this in this episode but i was yeah like i was confused in um when he was killing jaworski why he had that stuff over his face because i like he didn't for the first guy and then i remembered in the snuff film the woman had had stuff all over her face as well oh yeah so like he did that specifically for jaworski good i mean he literally (laughs) he literally sets up these like like he on he found he took the first guy to where he buried the kids yeah he found jaworski where jaworski is stealing this copper and he puts the picture of the woman he killed in the building yeah like that when he's talking about they're tailored to the when he's talking about the what they eventually start calling the ice truck killer like it's that's his craft like this is his art his artistry you know so it's he calls it that he hones his he hones his craft yeah which is like that's not something a vigilante really does like they have no they don't talk about it like it's a work of art they might train but not Batman yeah. doesn't hear people yeah. like questioning his methods for and then him just turning around and being like, but my art. 
<laughs> no, he says, but my parents. My art, Alfred. You guys, I have a question. Because I watched this in theater school, I just kept seeing Michael C. Hall being like, I am an actor. And I want to know if you guys got the same vibe. Yes. There were, or if it was just me like reading into it. There were it. a couple of points of man pain. Like, he's very much a Broadway theater person. So, like, I I think it was, it was interesting to see, because he's, he's basically monologuing the whole time. He is also being this sociopath and then smiling. Like, it was interesting to revisit this time in my life where I was like, I don't know, seeing this, like, very Broadway type acting in this, like, TV show. I don't have feelings. The pool is just like me, empty inside. <laughs> no, he says that. He looks down at the donut box that's empty, and he's like, "It's like me, <laughs> empty." If the yeah. music, okay. and then he has, I noticed that he has a whole monologue about the blood. Like, there's no blood. It's blood. Like, it's just. I feel like the only thing that saved that from being the cheesiest fucking thing I'd seen all week was just that the music in this show. Whenever it has those, like, dark, dank moments where a man struggles with the conflict in his soul, it's just kind of like... The music in this show was revolutionary for the time. Like, Dexter, the music... I'm really... I'm so sad, Maddie, for you, because the Dexter opening credits are some of my favorites that TV has done, and they don't use it in the pilot. But it's kind of like basically about the terror and like, I don't know, gro- like grotesqueness of preparing breakfast and get ready in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of he's shaving and he cuts himself and then he's opening a blood orange and then he's like, it's just like very visceral. It's like Hannibal-esque. Like it is a lot of visceral. A lot of Dexter's posters are just straight up like bloody double entendres where it's kind of like his face is covered in a red smear but it's his kid with jam on its hands yeah like it's wild um okay the interesting conversation i think we should now move into notes because we've talked a lot about killing and sociopaths so let's start with carrie Okay. Um, is blood? I don't think blood spatter science is accepted anymore. It is not as accepted as it used to be. It is still co- put into consideration, similar to thread stuff and mouth stuff, but it's less. Like, if that's the only evidence you have, you're not going to get a conviction. You could use it to eliminate suspects, probably. Kind of like how. If you knew somebody had a bite mark with no front teeth, you could eliminate people with front teeth. One would hope. Probably. Um, I love dogs. They're a good <laughs> judge of character. For the most part. I thought that was a cool thing to put in, that dogs hate him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really shows that we probably should also hate him, but... There's a lot, also, of just gross sweatiness in this. Like... Yeah, I know, oh my it's god. Very realistic for Miami, but then like when young 
Dexter was like in that shed. He just had like this sheen of sweat on his face. It was Every so single gross. shirt that he's ever worn just had the biggest sweat spot on his back. Yeah. Yeah. When he and Deb were eating lunch, it was like a full V. A big V. So sweaty. Big V of sweat. Yeah. But it's it's very Miami. It's very Florida. So I kind of liked that because it did add a realistic, like, it's less CSI Miami and more. Yeah, yeah. they're not like perfect yeah. actors on a sound stage, you know? Yeah. The grimy exactly. actors on a grimy and that, stage. Yeah, and that continues from what I recall. Um yeah. Even though they shoot in Long Beach and not Florida. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel really bad for Rita. Like, she's just... This poor woman oh, has gone through so yeah. much. And now she has to deal with this dude who she thinks is great. He's not great. She said that woman is such a good actress, though. Mm-hmm. Like, seeing her go from Darla, this very powerful, like, vampire woman, to, like, this, like, kind of traumatized... Like she has yeah, the range, mother. darling. Oh my god, <laughs> she's got the range. Um. Also, I am looking up sociopaths on my. Well, I'm just looking it up now. Psychopaths and sociopaths on my phone, and I do think that Dexter might be a psychopath more than a sociopath, because it says that psychopaths are classified as people with little or no conscience. Sociopaths do have a limited, albeit weak, ability to feel empathy and remorse. Psychopaths can and do follow social conventions when it suits their needs. Sociopaths are more likely to fly off the handle and react violently whenever they're confronted by the consequences of their actions. So it probably is more psychopathic, yeah. Yeah, they are both antisocial personality disorders, uh, but there is a difference between them. And again, really, really difficult to treat. Um, and that's it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Actually, you know, one last, I didn't write it down, but just my, a, a quick, I just, I don't, watching this the second time, you know, after a whole bunch of life experience and everything, like, I just, I don't like it as much. Yeah. 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 I just. I thought the same thing. Mm, yeah. The, the only reason I wanted to rewatch it is because I do want to get to the season four stuff. Yeah, because I've heard it's really good. It is good. Like story-wise, it's very good. But like I think once they leave the first book, I think he gains a bit more humanity and that helps yeah. a lot. I did find out there are more books, but this season's the only one based on a book and the rest of the seasons are their own thing even though the writer was like chill with it. Yeah. It's they both went totally different directions. Okay, that's it. Maddie. Um right when they showed that guy in front of the choir, I wrote, Boom, bad guy. We're Ugh. just a middle aged white guy. And then it I turned out he was uh yeah, it turned out he was a child molester and a killer of three little boys. Um and then I said, okay, less okay with Dexter killing dogs. Apparently he had a lot of animal bones in this hole that Ugh. his dad found. Not cool. Um, and I did like how uh, Dokes was like, hey, write a report to corroborate my theory. Not like, hey, analyze this. 
Yeah. He's like, it was this guy. Now write a report that says it's this. It's this know. guy. Yeah. Because I got to get him off the streets. Yep. Uh, it looked like the they they casted well for the child actor. It looked a lot like uh, Dexter. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 And I liked how Dexter's like, what did I do? And you were just talking about a serial killer and trying to get frisky with an abused woman. So, yeah. But I guess whole uh, psychopath thing. So, he don't get it. And then I thought that he was going to have a chance to stop the ice truck killer. Is that what he's called? Eventually. Yeah, that's what they call him. He literally um, had him at a and, dead end. Yeah. So, well, I guess he didn't really know that he could have stopped him, and he probably couldn't have because that truck could have, like, run him over Just or whatever. But um, I thought he was going to let the guy go out of, like, some sort of respect he had for his craft, which, you know, might happen later. I don't care if you spoil it for me. Um, I, I don't remember. Yeah. Do, do you Do you want to know? Does he, like, have a chance to stop and he's, like, fanboying and he's, like, oh, no. Well, I don't know exactly how it happens, but they do, like, they they connect, they talk, and it turns out, I guess, spoiler alert, the ice truck killer is Dexter's brother. Because they were, their mother was murdered horribly. And Dexter was trapped in. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Dexter she was said trapped. Spoiler alert! In a I know um, shipping container with his dead mother's body parts and just blood everywhere, and that's why he's obsessed with blood. He was like two or three, Yikes. and had this really formative experience, and that's why he's um, a psychopath, I guess. Uh, okay. Yeah. Can you kind of kind of. Can a traumatic experience create a psychopath? Maybe. Yes. Who knows? It did in this. Let's get into psychology and ins- decide it right now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just um, so, like they do. Okay. They do have that connection, and that's kind of why the uh, the ice truck killer guy is like, "Hey, we're gonna play." So they both have like a similar traumatic experience, but they take different things away from it. Like Dexter's mom was like chopped up with a chainsaw. And then he was, like, Ugh. in a container filled with blood and body parts. And then his brother, I don't really know, maybe saw the mom get chopped up. But that's why they, they took different things away from it. But Yikes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then my last note was, ooh, spooky. Because um, of the head on the dolls. fridge. That- Is it weird that the dolls are spookier than the women sometimes? Well, I feel like yes. the way that they shot it was spooky and they did a good job with it. It's spooky, but not gruesome. Yeah. Whereas the other, yeah. And that's all mine. All right. Mac. So the first guy that Dexter kills, it's kind of weird that he thought the Hail Mary would help. Like literally saying the Hail Mary. On one hand, I do like acknowledgments that, you know, a lot of Christians are responsible for a lot of terrible shit around the country, especially pedophilic. Uh... Maybe it's because they worship somebody who impregnated a 12 year old. I don't know. Anyway, uh, next, there is Wait. no way a forensic analyst could afford that apartment. I don't know. In Miami? It is an apartment in 
a complex like most apartments look like that yeah but it's on the waterfront of, of varying mm. like keep up keep upness what am i trying to say uh states of being it is on the waterfront <laughs> he does also have a boat which you know requires a marina space I wonder, does he steal money from the people he kills? I don't remember. He'd need to liquidate that then, because he has to declare everything on his taxes. I don't know, man. He's a psychopath, but he's a intelligent psychopath. He knows he has to follow the certain rules so that he doesn't get caught. Yeah. Which includes taxes. TV, uh, TV has very strange ways of trying to convince us that people with obscure jobs have very well to do. Like, like oh, in yeah. Bones, how the Jeffersonian has like the world's greatest forensic and like analyst i don't know i mean every rom-com will teach you that just a simple job as like a freelance journalist can give you a penthouse in the upper west side <laughs> yeah like you're anyway. a blogger and you've got a mansion i've always wondered how sarah jessica parker bought all those shoes and sex in the city and I don't remember enough about Sex in the City. I'm sure they covered it at some point. No. Really? I don't think so. Like, I've watched a lot, but, like, in chunks and, like, a long time ago. TV is aspirational. That's a- I was going to say, a lot of- are, like, $800 a pair. A lot of people in TV, I feel like, have the everyman job, but have the, you know, rich man's apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Even in shows, like, that are supposed to be more realistic, like The Office, I feel like sometimes- some of the time places where they live are not totally realistic. No, they are very box cut and dry apartments. There's a whole thing yeah. about Michael and his 30 year mortgage. Like it's a thing. Okay. Uh, next up, Google analytics would have had a field day with Dexter just because of like all the snuff sites he had to visit just for this one case. Yeah. Mm. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he could get away with saying that he's some kind of true crime writer, because those people have to look up a lot of freaky shit, but I don't yeah. know. Well, also, he's a works for the police, so. I guess. Yeah. 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 Plus, this is, bef- this is before even, like, iPhones, you guys. He had a, it was a Mac computer, though. I know, but I don't know how much Google Analytics is, like, keeping track of stuff back then. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Maddie's right. He works for the police. Uh, next up, uh, when his girlfriend called him when he was murdering that second person, I was like, don't take your phone with you when you're serial killing, dipshit. I had the same thought. Yeah. yeah. Even back then, we knew how to triangulate location on phones. Yeah. And don't answer your phone when you're covered in blood. I don't care that you're taking your glove off. It, it, there's going to be contamination. You can leave it and answer it later. Yeah. Sometimes, like I, I feel like Bud, Bud, millennials know. Like you just don't answer the phone. Like Bud, Bud, if they really want to talk to you're you, you're busy leave a message. right now. This is what right. I'm busy is... right now was built for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, and finally, he's bad at tailing people. Less than a block yeah. is not good enough for tailing. Especially late at night when they're the only <laughs> ones on the road. I was like, just don't do this. Not, I think yeah. the guy made, like, fought, like, the ice truck guy found Dexter and led him to that place. 
That was oh, on purpose. That probably makes sense. I know. That's but why he so had Dexter the head. thought he was tailing the guy, though. Yeah. Dexter thought he was tailing the guy. The guy knew where Dexter was and was like, here, have a, a human head thrown at you. I had forgotten what had happened, and I th- fully thought that he still had, like, Jaworski's body parts in his trunk or something. Like, forgetting that he would never have done that because he knows about blood evidence. But I was like, oh my god, what if he gets in an accident? <laughs> and then they find the bodies in his car. Anyway, that's all my um, notes. Okay. Uh, my notes. Uh, this episode was very aggressively 2006 in Miami. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's clothes on the extras. Dexter's one shirt that has, like, those stitching on the back of the letters that looked very, like, Ed Hardy or something. Oof. Like, it was just so aggressively 2006, it brought me back in time. I um, I, let's see, that was, we covered that, we covered that. I do think that choir director actor was so good because you immediately hated him. Yeah. Like, just the way Great that job. he made his face, made his face go. I was like, I hate you. Smarmy. Um, that Garat looks real. And I was like, I am actually curious a lot of how they do some of these scenes, like, realistically on a movie set. That was a little disturbing. Like, I'm sure it was, like, a piece of rubber or something, but it's just... It looks painful. Like, shooting this also... I'm interested to... I don't know. I, I feel like I read at some points about Michael C. Hall shooting this, like, as an actor. Like... Like killing people over and over probably has got to mess with you a little bit. I hope he went to therapy. Um, some of the scenes are very dark, like too dark, almost like Game of Thrones dark. Mm. And I was like, I know you're trying to be like edgy, but sometimes we need to see what's going on. I totally forgot about the slides, and I actually kind of think that's a weird but cool way to keep your like serial killer mementos. But also, it's like it's the going to be the easiest, easiest thing if anyone ever found it to be like DNA for killing all these people. Yeah, like if um, you also he took it out with the windows open. <laughs> yeah, like if you both times he got out his if you trophy box collect a trophy that's like hey it's this watch hey it's this bracelet that could be a many people's things unless they're like really specific but with blood it contains the thing that will identify the victim within itself like that one person not great yeah yeah and i know like his thing is blood so it does make sense but it's like if anyone finds that which i can't remember if they do it's going to literally point all of these dust at you um the child actor was, I thought, pretty good for being a child actor because I felt like he matched the, like, actor like, I'm being an actor-ness of Michael C. Hall. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he has a big scar on his side and I forgot about that and I don't remember why. I feel like the relationship between Deb and Dexter, they're very TV siblings. Whereas, like, I don't see a... They're like what TV thinks that siblings are, but not actually how siblings are. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm I can gonna, see that. I'm going to go straight up here right now. I'm not going to advise any of you dress up like a sex worker to get a promotion. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thank you. Good. It's good to know. But it just like the conversation they were having in the 
the first time you see them together, he was like, you know, I just came, blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you doing? Like, it just felt very, like... Contrived. Yeah. Well, he's also supposed to be um, a fake human. And maybe... I don't know. Anyway. Um, I love Margot Martindale. I forgot she was in this. The woman who, like, works in the files and archives. Mm-hmm. And I hope nothing bad happens to her because I don't remember. Um... The dropping in of constant Spanish felt very also a little bit contrived, even though I know it's probably a thing in Miami. It just was like, (laughs) it was like, kept. I felt like it kept being like, we're in Miami, remember? Spanish. I thought it was, Um, it was really funny how Dexter was like very white guy about his Spanish. It was really annoying. Oh, yeah. But, like, I feel like... That's a thing. Yeah, no, I know. But, like, it was... <laughs> it. I was annoyed by him as his persona, you know? Like, his Dexter, I'm a normal guy persona, doing all the Spanish. I was like, this is... People will hate you. That's not a good idea. <laughs> like, don't do that. I don't know. But I feel like a lot of white people, especially back then, would have done this because they thought they would be doing good. Yes. I know. It felt kind of like Colin Robinson-y of like, hey, like, I'm trying to be normal, but I'm really just annoying you. Yeah. No, that's what I, I don't know. was thinking. Yeah. Um, I wonder what the yarn budget is of both the show and then also the police department. Because creating those blood spatter things in that crime scene, there's a lot of yarn. I don't know if that's realistic. And I don't think that that's what people would have used. Um, When Dexter went into Jaworski's apartment and put gloves on, I was like, your hair falls out too. So maybe put a hairnet on. But then it wouldn't have looked they probably. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really funny that in the flashback scenes on the boat, there was just like Harry and Dexter and then a big thing of milk. (laughs) And it was like, oh, kids drink milk. Yeah. Get it? I noticed that. Like, that's not what I would want to drink on a hot day. I know. I was like, I don't think that's funny. And like lately, there's been a whole thing about like villains being into milk, like in pop culture. I can't remember all of them, but like how like Homelander is like has that whole scene of drinking milk in the boys, and it's like gross and weird. That's or a whole uh, ooh, other thing. Uh, one of the bad guys from Get Out, like separately drinking milk while eating dry cereal. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a. Th- it's been a thing in the last couple of years because everyone is like milk is weird. And it's true. Um, these cut bodies are so unnecessary. Um, he can't stop. He must channel it. We talked about this. We talked about this. I do think the saran wrap around his face made me laugh more than it should have. <laughs> it's a weird look. Because it just looked really just funny. It's a weird look. Every time when you're a kid and you did that, you always just wound up with like the... Yeah. Hi, and hi. also he cut a little hole for his mouth. So it's just like... And it was really it's funny. It's one of those things you'd always stick your tongue out through. Yeah. Um, that he gets really excited about the cokehead thing when he's in the office with Dokes and the lieutenant, and he's like, "Blah blah, blah. like I can't tell you. It's this thing and this." Like he just gets really excited about it, and I'm like, more people should be creeped out by him than just Dokes. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's too excited about blood, and. He is creepy. That's weird. He is absolutely creepy. Um, I was surprised about the head. The sex stuff at the end was really awkward. Um, And then 
yeah, my last note was like, are you serious? Like, want to play? It felt very cartoony almost. I did love... <sighs> so those are the cine- my Dexter. I did notes. like the cinematography of the Barbie head, like, on just the freezer thing. Like, very... Mm-hmm. The composition was, was nice. It felt a little, like... I want to say Hitchcocky, like it kind of you know, like in Vertigo with the head and like I haven't seen that. It, yeah. Anyway, I. Yeah. Okay. Artistically, so, I think they it was interesting. Agreed. Um, I uh, let's see. What's what's the PBS? The PBS is uh nine to five. Dolly Parton. What a way to make a living. Yeah. Um, even though we don't actually get the names of Margot Martindale's character yet, like she does have a scene. And then I did include the two children, even though we don't know their names yet. Yes, we know Cody. Oh, we know Cody's name, but we don't know Aster's name. But I still, yeah, it's still pretty unbalanced. Even with the fact that his sister is in the force and then the lieutenant is a woman. <sighs> So, yeah. Nine to five. Not terrible, but not great. Nope. All right. Carrie, what are your stars and stabs? (sighs) Stabs, I mean, we're just kind of getting to know everything. Yeah, we didn't talk about a mystery. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the mystery, I guess the mystery would be the ice truck killer, but, like, there's not a lot to go on. Just the fact that. I mean, the cell crystallization is interesting. Like, I like Deborah. I think she did. Like, that was good. Like, she noticed that there was something different with the second body. Yeah. Uh, I think she's very smart, but she was brought up to maybe think she wasn't. Yeah, like, she was always in de- definitely some, like, in Dexter's shadow. Baggage. Um, so I guess stabs, I would go six stars. Like, look like watching it now i would probably go four or five really back in the day i would have like watching this when it first came out i i liked it i thought it was compelling but i just don't see the need for it right now like i like the fact that they're bringing it back like why like yeah we haven't talked about that. <laughs> i can't believe that they are like it's I, like a new 10 part series yeah, I know people were very unsatisfied or disappointed by the series ending. So maybe they're just trying to like fix that. I don't that. I don't know, but I mean, this episode is probably going to come out around the time it's supposed to come out in November, the re- the sh- new thing. Okay. So, I don't know. Like it I used to like it more than I do now. I think there's better TV out there. Totally understand. Well, oh, yeah. This is, what, 15 years old? Yeah. Okay. Maddie? Um, Stabs, I would go with, like, five, four or five, because this isn't, this is, like, a a lot of exposition. There's not really a mystery, Mm -hmm. which I guess isn't the fault of the show, but I think we just didn't have a... An episode that was great in terms of, you know, not super involved with like a main storyline, but also a mystery. So this seemed, I guess, 
more like a police procedural with some sparkly bits uh and uh yeah um and for did i say stars or stabs first that was supposed to be stabs. stabs. Okay. And that then was stabs. stars, I would say probably five or six. Okay. Mac. Um, six stars. For stabs, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a, a seven, if not just because he demonstrated how blood, blood spatter pattern analysis could be used in solving crimes, especially. With the... The cokehead one, the killer. Yes. Pointing out, like, cokehead murders. this person he wanted to go for quickly and just get them out of the way, but took time with this one, along with analyzing... I don't know. It was a good demonstration of how blood pattern and blood spatter pattern analysis could be useful, even if we sort of negated, at, negated it as a sole factor in, mm-hmm. you know... Presenting evidence. Right. Okay. Um, for my stabs, I would probably I would probably say five, you know, asterisk, because it's like we don't know the answer to the mystery yet, but they do set it up compellingly. I agree with the thing about Deb noticing that stuff. We do follow a pattern and we get to like part two of solving it, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're not at part ten yet, but um and stars i i yeah i think six because like i said i might watch the first couple seasons again like up to four or five but i agree with you carrie that when i first watched it it was like appointment tv we had to know what was going to happen and we were like intrigued because it was like another like gimmick detective police show thing but now it is a little bit more like we don't need this <laughs> like the sympathy is not there as much mm-hmm. so yeah all right um any final thoughts on dexter before we put the pin in him nope Nerd. nope all right so if you want to uh watch what we're doing next time so you have full context. We are watching an episode of the series Lost. It is the episode titled Expose, Season 3, Episode 14. So give that a watch and join us for our lively discussion. We're going <laughs> to get lost. We're going to get lost. Get lost in the sauce. Back. Oh, no. <laughs> um. Okay. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mostly Murder Pod. Uh, we have a website, Mostly Murder But Sometimes Not at Gmail. Nope, that's the that's the email. Mostly Murder But Sometimes Not at Gmail.com. And then a website, Mostly Murder But Sometimes Not dot com. And that's where we put show notes and things and pictures if you really want to explore them. So, uh, that's all. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Everyone. Thanks, everybody. And. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.